Hello everyone. This is A Year Ago Today, and I'm your host, Tyla Fowler. <sighs> for all of you that have been listening all along, or for a little while now, welcome back. And for everybody who's new, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. It's such a pleasure to welcome you. <sighs> Feels like I'm welcoming you to my living room a little bit. <laughs> Hmm. So, I built this podcast with my best friend, Sally Mercedes, and as of late March this year, we went through a big transition. Sally and I moved from hosting this show together to me hosting the show alone. And if you've been following along, you'll know that it's been a really interesting ride. There's kind of an arc happening to the season. That is also weirdly being reflected in my very real life. So in this intro, I'm going to attempt to give you just enough context to understand. Um, well, I'm going to try to give you enough context to understand whatever it is you're meant to understand. If anybody has any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me. My email is a year ago podcast at gmail.com. Okay, so... In this episode, I am speaking with Marsha Maunder, and we're talking about the death of two beloved pets of hers who passed away in the same weekend about a year ago when we recorded. So that's kind of the gateway into this conversation. However, we quickly get into it, and we realize um, at the time of recording this was right around the anniversary of my father's death, and I didn't realize until we got into the recording that Marsha had lost her father less than a year ago as well. So the conversation really expands into this look at the shock of loss and the experience of grief and the choices we make around how to either engage with that grief or push that grief away. Yeah, we get really real on this podcast. We touch on some charged topics. We talk about the death of our fathers, the death of pets. We talk about um, gun violence, school shootings. We also talk about archetypal journeys, mythology, authentic expression, ephemerality. We talk about the time I went to jail. <laughs> um, it's a really wide-ranging conversation. And I think it's really beautiful. It's especially potent for me right now because of what I'm moving through in my personal life. Uh, about three and a half weeks ago, my partner, Matt, um, my partner of five years, Matt, shared with me that he is not happy. And we decided that he would move out of our apartment. And so over the past few weeks, I've been coping with that loss, the shock of that loss, and really deeply engaging with my experience of grief. And it's been really beautiful because in this episode, you hear me kind of talking about my past experiences of grief and how I feel capable now of being in grief in a way that feels productive and in a way that allows me to do deep healing work rather than rather than shutting grief down and choosing not to feel it. Another really interesting thing is that 
I'm releasing these episodes and as I'm doing so, there's a few week delay. So the the version of me and the version of Marsha that was recorded, um, you know, back around the anniversary of my father's death. So this would have been around like March 27th of this of this year that we made this recording. Like she and I have both been through so many evolutions that the people we were when we had these conversation, this conversation, it doesn't necessarily represent who we are now. So for instance, my processing around the death of my father has gone so much deeper since the start of this season. If you if you've been listening, you'll know that the very first episode of the season was a conversation with my dear friend Rachel Lynn about meeting her estranged father for the first time. And that the topic of my father's death came up a lot in that conversation and has come up throughout the season. So I've really been processing it and digging deeper into it. And the podcast itself has been helping me do that. You know, it's actually on re-listening to Rachel's episode, I think, for like the third time. I receive something new each time I listen. So often I listen back to these things repeatedly. And... I received this huge shift in the way I was telling my father's story. So it's interesting to go back now and listen to March 27th, Tyla, and the way she frames her experience. And compare that that woman to the Tyla that I am today, you know, on 2.29 p.m. Wednesday, whatever the date is, June 13th. So only a few months have passed, and already I've had such an evolution in my understanding. And I'm going to share just a little bit more about that so you can kind of see what I'm talking about in case you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, I think I share in Rachel Lynn's episode that one of the last things that my father said to me was, "I I really do love you, you know? And it was at a point where he was having trouble getting words out, and I really projected this emotion of, re- of regret onto him. And that is really how I was holding my experience of my father's death. My father is a man who died with regret. My father is a man who died feeling alone and unloved. However, in my healing process lately, and listening to that episode with Rachel a few times, um, the energies that were activated for me inside that conversation were so powerful. And upon that like third re-listen, I just had this wave of understanding wash over me that when he said that, he wasn't saying it with regret. He was saying it with pride. He was looking at me and he was saying with pride, I really do love you, you know. And the way I came to understand that is because in listening to Rachel tell her story about reuniting with her father, and in listening to her describing his behavior, there was this incredible paradox of like, there's nothing that this man can really do at this point to make up for having been absent for her whole life. At the same time, inside his actions, there is this incredible um, illustration of a father who simply wants to take care of his daughter. And it's clear that he doesn't really know how to do that. And it's kind of misguided in some cases. And, you know, at the same time, we can acknowledge that it's really sweet. And so in kind of exploring that dynamic between Rachel and her dad, it really unlocked a new level of understanding for me around my relationship with my dad. And so I've stopped framing my dad's story so much as a story of regret. And I even say in this episode, 
I say um, that I didn't perceive him as having reached the finish line himself when it came to his journey of personal growth and healing. And I've had a huge shift around that understanding as well. I mean, I've understood logically for a long time that our journey of growth is never really over. However, I think I'm now starting to understanding that, understand that in a more embodied way. And so now when I hear myself in this recording say that my father never like reached the finish line, quote unquote, I'm like, that's so silly, Tyla, that that's the way you were framing this because there is no finish line of growth. And it's not like this, you know, I guess the moral of what I'm trying to say to you here is that the way this is all coming together, the way these timelines are converging with how these episodes were recorded and how they're now being released and how that's lining up with what I'm going on, going through in my personal life, which is a separation from a man who has been my whole world really for the last five years. And that has been a huge experience of grief. So that's also helping me deepen around past experiences of grief. You know, I'm using the grief that's present now to continue unpacking grief that's stored in my body from the past that I haven't processed. And there's a lot of it. So my understanding of these things is constantly shifting. So I share all this with you because number one, if you're activated in a way that feels uncomfortable by something said in this episode, I love you and you're welcome. And I hope you will use that to do your work. And I hope that you will also realize that that the activation is a gift and that there's no point pointing blame at anybody for it because the women who recorded this podcast, in a sense, don't exist anymore because Marsha and I have both grown and we're both different people now than we were and our understanding has shifted. And every time our understanding shifts and becomes more expansive, you know, we have to let go of these old stories we were telling about ourselves. And that's the other thing I want to illustrate. It's like the story of my father's death is shifting as I tell it and as I continue to process it. The same as my story around this breakup with Matt is shifting rapidly day by day as my understanding around what's going on in my life expands and as I continue to deepen into this spiritual truth that regardless of whether or not my ego mind can understand why things are happening the way they are that ultimately what is happening is happening not to me but for me what is happening in my life right now is part of me becoming the woman that I'm meant to be and my ego desperately wants to cling to what we know and my soul knows that we have to surrender those things in order to open up and receive what's coming for us. So the last thing I want to say is that that's not to imply that we shouldn't tell our stories. It's that we need to be conscious of how we're framing our stories and we need to do the work that that presents itself that allows our stories to evolve you know stories aren't meant to be stagnant they're they're meant to reflect our ever-expanding understanding that was a nice rhyme <laughs> okay let's see if there's anything else i need to tell you hmm. 
I think that's it for now. I want to share the last thing that is on this sheet of notes that feels like it has some energy. Ooh! <laughs> Did you get that little crack in my voice? Uh, there are some pauses in this recording, and I want to be clear that I am leaving those pauses in the recording intentionally because they are full of energy. And it's really interesting. There's one point at which there's a long pause, and then Marsha and I come in at exactly the same time. And I think that that's beautiful. You know, some people might be tempted to edit that out, but I'm like, oh, look how we were both sitting there feeling into the space between us and then both called to express in the same moment. It's really an interesting um, thing. That and that I'm not editing out background noises. Like there's a point at which the phone buzzes and it's super interesting because it's right around the time I'm telling my old story <laughs> and I'm talking about feeling like there were a lot of opportunities for missed connection with my dad. And at that moment, the phone is like, ding, da, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and as I was listening back to it, I was like, that's so interesting. Cause in that moment I was already transitioning out of that story. And that phone was just like a little signal. It's like, there's no such thing as missed opportunity for connection. Like you can connect with your dad right here, right now. That's the story I'm choosing to tell today. And hmm. And thankfully, the sound effects in this podcast <laughs> reflect that. Okay, this is the longest intro ever. <sighs> if you like the show, please share it with other people. Please talk about it with your friends or talk about it with me or rate and review it on iTunes or have t-shirts made. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how you choose to support. Uh, what I would love is for you to really just savor in the energy of this and celebrate what it activates for you and share whatever energy comes up with the people that you're close with because I really feel like the purpose of all of this is to cultivate a much deeper intimacy with ourselves and with others so I would love to be an activating agent that supports you in cultivating intimacy in your life. That's my request. Share your experience here with somebody. All right. And that's it. You guys enjoy the show. Marcia. Hi, Tyla. I know we already said hi off air, but it feels good to say hi again. <sighs> Welcome to a year ago today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. It is so exciting for me to have you here because I know that in our original run of a year ago today, season one, that you were someone who really kind of was with us from the beginning, listening from the beginning. And also you were supporting us through Patreon, which means so much to me. So I have to tell you ahead of time before we even get into what we're here to talk about, how much it means to me 
to be able to talk with you now inside this container because you've always been such a powerful supporter of this container. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear. Mm. And I, I've definitely loved your show and I'm so glad that you're back. Ah, me too. Sally just texted me like literally three seconds ago and the very, very first piece of this season just got published into our podcast feed like seconds ago. (laughs) So as of right now, this season has gone live and it's so interesting because I just recorded an episode with my mom. It's interesting how the energy has now shifted because now it's out there in the world. Ah, yay. (laughs) Yay. I'm so glad you're here to celebrate with me. Okay. So Marsha, I would love if you could give everybody a little insight into what we're here to talk about. So if you could say a year ago today and then finish the sentence and let everybody know what we're here to talk about. Sure. So... A year ago today, um, two of my beloved pets passed away on the same weekend. One of them was a cat that I had for 20 years, and the other was a dog that I'd had for 15 years. So, beloved companions. That is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of loss for one weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to invite you to shut your eyes and put your hands wherever it feels good. I do sometimes both hands on my heart or one hand on my heart and one hand on my womb. And take a couple of deep breaths and really... Allow yourself to now travel back in time to that weekend and let any emotion that's present begin to bubble up. And when you feel like you've really landed in the energy of a year ago today, if you could share with me in one word how you're feeling. Unprepared. I felt, um, in some ways, it's funny that word came up because logically speaking, I was prepared. My, my animals had lived long lives and, um, my cat had lived an especially long life. She was close to 30. And so I knew that their time was not far away. So logically, you know, psychologically, uh, I was prepared in the sense that I knew it was coming. But from an emotional standpoint, uh, there, I was, you know, losing your, you know, people, I say people, um, companions who have become some of your best friends. I'm not sure how you ever prepare for that. Oof. Boy, oh boy. I'll, I'll tell you, Marsha, that... As soon as you shared with me that this anniversary was happening for you, I was like, we have to talk about this. (laughs) And 
the way it has fallen schedule wise is incredibly divine. I'm realizing as we speak that a year ago today, not really a year ago, four years ago today, I was on my way home to be at the deathbed of my father. Wow. And oof, I'm going to cry. I can feel it coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm oh, already okay. crying too. Yeah, it's I love it. First of all, you called them people because anyone who's ever had a pet, I think, understands that. Like, they are such vibrant. Animals have such vibrant souls. When you get to know the soul of an animal, it's really something. Really what's present for me, though, is the use of that word unprepared. You know? Because I think you're so right that, like, regardless of how logically we understand what's happening, <laughs> the experience of loss is something that feels impossible to prepare for. And also impossible to understand, I think. Mm. Yeah. So many questions around it. I feel really, oh, you go. I was going to say, I feel really open to wherever this conversation wants to go and I don't really have an agenda. So I was going to be like, what's present for you? But you were about to tell me. So tell me. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, um, something that would feel really good for me to share is kind of a backstory regarding a couple other animals that I have. Um, my cat, she came into my life. I realized this this morning, actually, that my cat came into my life when I was at the time when I was ending um, an important relationship, and my dog came into my life when I was starting, uh, right when I got married. So, so they both came at at times of big change in my life. Um, but I feel called to tell, yeah, the backstory. Um, my cat was named Jack Henry. She's a girl, but I named her Jack Henry anyway. And I love a, a girl <laughs> with a boy's name. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Boy. So um, I had inherited um, a cat who was half Asian leopard, and I got her. My boyfriend at the time actually got her when she was a kitten, and we were together, so she came home with us. And we split up and I ended up inheriting the kitten because I was more attached to her. And I had her for a couple of years and I guess it was the, the wildness in her, but she was, it was, she was extraordinarily intelligent. And I, at that time in my life was living alone and didn't really have much of a social life. It was kind of a lonely period in my life. And so I spent a lot of time with this cat and I noticed a lot of interesting things that, um, this was a boy, he, he had a, a, 
a really deep sense of humor. Again, he was intelligent, and there was just something really different about him that I can't really put my finger on. And um, one day I took him to the vet because he developed a rash. He was about two years old, and he was really frightened in the car, and he had a heart attack on the way. And I was able to bring him into the vet's office, and he was still alive, but basically it came down to him being on oxygen tanks most of the day, and they did all kinds of tests, and I spent the day singing to him. He was on my lap, and ultimately at about 5 o'clock that night, um, he died. And it was determined through x-rays that he had had an enlarged heart. And because of that, this heart attack was bound to happen, I guess, at some point. But he, he, the vet predicted he probably wouldn't have lived that long, even if this event hadn't happened that day. So I was very, very attached. It was a tremendous loss in my life. Um, I was so distraught that I didn't even know if I was going to survive the loss. And... Mm. This is about the time when, you know, Jack Henry had entered my life, the cat who just passed away a year ago. And um, so she was there for me during his death. And anyway, I I used to rescue kittens um, after that regularly and find them homes. And a few years down the line, I rescued another kitten. And there was something special about this kitten. And I ended up naming it. So my the boy cat who died of an enlarged heart was named Leon. And I decided to name this little kitty Noel because Noel is Leon backwards. Mm, well, I, love that. I got her when she was a couple days old and I had to care for her pretty much 24 seven because she was so little and she only lived about eight weeks. And one night in the middle of the night, she just appeared to not, you know, she was struggling to breathe. So, um, it was actually early, early morning, like maybe five o'clock in the morning. So I drove to the nearest animal hospital, which at that time was about an hour away. And, um, she died that day. But what was really interesting is she also was diagnosed with having an enlarged heart and, the vet who had seen her prior to this wrote me the kindest card and he pointed out that it was just so strange and he just couldn't believe that someone had had to go through this twice. And I have no idea what the chances are, what the odds are of, you know, kittens with enlarged hearts. I really don't know. (laughs) But then shortly after that, the vet, (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. I, it's just more the absurdity of it. The vet, um, died of a heart issue himself. Oh my goodness. So there was all this heart stuff around these cats. Mm. And um, anyway, um, I think that the reason I want to tell this story is just that there's something bigger to the story that I don't even really recognize that makes the loss in general of, of animals and anyone just so difficult. Um, when we were at the vet, when I was at the vet with the cat Leon and he was on oxygen tanks, I was singing 
to him, as I said. And the song that I kept singing over and over again was You Are My Sunshine. Mm. And that was just what came to my mind. Well, when I was driving to the vet to take the other kitty, you know, years later, um, with the same issue, there's this large sand dune in the town where I live right next to the freeway. And people often will write large messages on the sand dune and everybody who drives by sees it. Well, there was a message on the sand dune that morning and it said, you are my sunshine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so ever since then, I've really looked at animals differently um, and, you know, Jack Henry, the one that I originally brought up and Ranger, he's the dog who died and, you know, other pets I've had, I just, I don't know. I just tend to look at them with different eyes than I did before that whole incident happened with the enlarged heart. So I don't know. I just felt called to share that. I think it's, a, it's just a story that I want to, you know, I just wanted to tell because it's important to me. Yeah, it sounds also like there was some gorgeous synchronicity present supporting you. Yeah, and I and and I think that that word that you just mentioned, support, mm-hmm. is really something that I felt so strongly from the animals mm-hmm. and the loss is not just a loss of the person, but it's also a loss of the type of support that they gave, you know? Mm. Yeah, I do. I do know. I was, I was just home in New Mexico with my mother for three weeks. She had a minor surgery. And so I went to support her through that. And I don't have a dog here in New York because we're not allowed to have one in our apartment. (laughs) It's the first thing I'm going to do when we move, Mm -hmm. if we ever move. However, being home with my mom and her sweet dog, Neville, he's a chihuahua, um, I really, really know what you're talking about in terms of the kind of support an animal provides. It's so... I don't know. What is it? What is it about that kind of support? Do you think that's so powerful for me? What I'm present to is like the way animals seek comfort by being physically close, maybe not all animals, but that's been my experience. And that like having a being that wants to be physically close to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's the connection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, anyone who has a pet knows what it feels like to, you know, open the door and have an animal run up to greet you, you know, or just to walk up to you when you're not feeling well or when you are feeling well, whatever, and nudge you and want to be petted. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a beautiful connection. <laughs> it's so funny. It's almost like. You know, I said I was just speaking with my mom a few minutes ago recording another episode, and we were talking about how 
I've been thinking a lot lately about having kids, and mm. <laughs> the thing that scares me is that kids pick up on your subconscious programming, <laughs> and re they reflect it back to you. You know, they internalize the beliefs that they see. Uh, and I'm like, what's so great about animals is they don't do that. <laughs> or at least I, I assume they don't do that. I, I don't know. I don't know how animals, if they have belief systems, but... You know, it's interesting. I, I you know, I, I don't know either. And I don't, I'm really open to a lot of different ideas, certainly. And I don't know that I have anything set in stone in terms of the way I think things are. But I do notice with animals, though, because I have had so many of them that um, they are as different as people. And the more you observe them, the more their emotions really you start to really see the emotions come out in, in subtle ways. And um, I have a cat now who is just incredibly jealous. She's just, you know, and her jealousy comes out all the time. There's power plays among different animals. Um, mm -hmm. um, grief, sadness, loneliness, anger, frustration, impatience. You know, it really, I'm not so sure they don't reflect it back to you, but I think it's harder to, um, it's not as in your face as much. It's easier to ignore. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because what I'm thinking now is like what they reflect back to you is the more primal. It's just the emotion. It's not necessarily how humans normally have like a thought system tied to our emotions. You know, yes. when we feel something, we go into story in our head about what it means. And I don't necessarily believe that animals have the capacity to go into story the way they do. I definitely, definitely believe they experience feelings and definitely believe they have personalities. I mean, anyone who's had an animal can be like, yeah, of course they have personalities. Right. This cat is always jealous or like, you know, I, we used to have a dog her name was Penny Lane. And, oh, God, I remember when she passed, I cried for days. Um, but she would pout, you know? It's like if you weren't paying attention to her, she would pout. She would, like, turn away from you on the couch. You would call her name, and her ears wouldn't even move, you know? It's like she's going out of her way to not respond to you. <laughs> uh, huh. mm. Well, you know... <laughs> I don't, I don't have many answers, but I have a lot of questions, like I said, and something that, um, you know, people talk about animals taking on the energies of the outside world and, um, something really tragic actually happened to my dog, the one ranger who passed away last year. We got him from a shelter when he was about a year old and, we had him for maybe five or six years where he was just a very happy-go-lucky dog. Um, just seemed happy all the time, very friendly with everyone. Um, you know, he'd sleep in the bed, you know, um, just, um, you know, he was great with kids. Um, we had him at parties, that type of thing. And then one day... Um, we took him to the vet, a different vet, for just an annual, just a general, you know, what do you call it, a routine exam. And my husband and I were sitting there in the waiting room, and all of a sudden, we heard this dog just scream. It was just 
this horrific blood-curdling scream that didn't stop for a while. And I shot my husband a look. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it just, it, it sounded like what you would imagine if someone was having, you know, surgery without any anesthetic or something. Just, it was horrible. So for a moment, I felt at least, you know, I, I felt really bad for the animal, but I was also grateful that it, it wasn't our animal. And um, then I looked around and I realized there was actually nobody else at the vet. You know, we were the only people there. So I went up to the receptionist and I said, that wasn't our dog, was it? And it was a deal where we weren't allowed to go back into the exam room, the vet, which I will never do again, as long as I live. Um, so we had to just allow the vet to take the dog back there. Well, anyway, it turned out that it was our dog and the vet claimed that the dog just started, you know, making a lot of noise and he has no idea why it was just, it was the dog. So I'm convinced that the vet abused the dog ever since and I'm not exactly sure what he did, but ever since that vet visit, he became very withdrawn. He would not let us come near him. It got worse and worse as time went on um, to the point where we couldn't even put a leash on him. Um, he was incredibly frightened of everyone. He would come to us and he would, you know, put his head on our laps and he would allow us to pet him and we could give him all the love we wanted. But if we approached him, forget it. He was terrified. He would start growling and we had to call people over, you know, to help us, um, professionals. And they said, Oh, he just, he can't be handled. You know, if we were to surrender him, which we had no intention of doing, um, he would have been euthanized and basically something happened at that vet's office and he was never the same since. And so that was really, really hard for me to, to witness and to live with that somebody had hurt my dog and he suffered terribly. And my one hope was that somehow he would heal from it before he died. I just really wanted to see him heal. I wanted to see him happy and, you know, somehow rise above whatever had happened, but that wasn't the case. And so that was really hard for me too, that he, because, you know, I talk about these two animals that both died in the same weekend and one of them never ever had a health issue and she lived to be almost 30. She was just, you know, happy till the end. And basically she just took her last breath and it, she died in my arms and it was super easy and there was no pain. Mm. And then the other animal, you know, was a victim of abuse and suffered a lot in his life and actually experienced an extremely painful death. Mm. And so it's a big question in my mind, you know, why was I presented with that contrast? Why did those two energies show up in my life at the same time in a parallel universe? I mean, the same universe, not even a parallel universe. And, you know, why did they exit together? You know, it's, it's just a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Oh, Well, would you like me to share what's present for me? Yes. 
around that? Yeah, I'd love that. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know either. As you're talking, though, I'm thinking, you know, as I mentioned, my the anniversary of my father's death is really, really present for me, especially since we're talking about death. And, you know, I would say that... Oof. Marcia, I did not know we were going to go here. <laughs> um, I arrived by my father's side, and it was like but between 24 and 36 hours later, I think, maybe 48, that he left his body. And it was not an easy passage. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the cat who never had a health problem. It was much more, um, it was much more the animal who had been a victim of abuse and maybe that's not exactly the right frame. However, like my dad suffered in his life from Mm -hmm. many different things. A lot of it was self-inflicted, you know, and What's so present for me is that I think I had a lot of those same questions after his death, you know. He died <laughs> Oof. He died with regret, it felt like to me. You know, he didn't mm. say that. But it was very heavy. And it's the same thing, you know, I really I really wished that I had gotten a chance to see him heal and to see him feel whole and happy before his life ended, you know? And it's so interesting because for me, I feel like I've really let go of understanding or trying to understand why it happened the way it did. And the more I've done that, the more I see how much he paved the way for my healing work. It's almost like even though I didn't perceive him as like reaching the finish line himself, it feels almost like we're in this relay race where at the moment of his death, he handed me a baton you know, (laughs) and, and since he died, you know, my number one priority really has been my own healing. I can, I can really relate to that. Um, there's a lot of synchronicity here and I think, yeah, I feel like the, you know, the subject of the animals is kind of just is the opening here. Um, just a just a couple months later, after I lost my pets, I I lost my father as well, and um, so it's been less than a year that, that my father died, and he he also. I mean, I I feel like you know we're on the same page. He he um, he suffered quite a bit in his life. He he had a a really good life too, you know, he had, he had elements of both, but I can really relate to what you're saying. Um, and I remember often wishing that he could 
get to the place where I knew he wanted to be and he didn't he didn't get there and so but at the same time when I look at my place in my own family line and and just I don't know just where I am I I I feel I just can completely relate to that exact same energy of or the or the the image of of being handed a torch and um i think it really what i'm feeling right now is just more how we it's almost cliche you know to say that we're all connected but that the journeys that we are on are really not individual journeys you know, we're, we're all in this together as a collective. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I appreciate you sharing that because I feel like I need to spend some more time reflecting on, on that and my own, my relationship with my own father. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you feel, I don't have a coherent question in this moment. I will share with you what I do have and we'll see where it goes. I'm wondering what is the difference between the way that you experienced the death of these two beloved pets and the way that you experienced the loss of your father, since those losses actually were grouped so close together, which I wasn't totally aware of going into this. You know, it feels like, like you said, talking about the death of your pets is kind of just the entry point here. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering what you're present to around the difference in those two kinds of loss. I think that you know there absolutely is a difference, but I'm I really don't know that I can articulate the difference. Um, you know, there was much more grief present for me when my father died. Um, and that was not a sudden death either. I knew it was, well, it, it came fairly quickly, but I, I knew it probably wasn't going to be too much longer that he was going to be alive. Um, I think that because they were all so close together, I found my pl myself in a place after my father's death where I really started to see myself as a soul having a human experience more than seeing myself as a human who's in touch with my spirituality. I just started seeing the world just the whole world was a diff was different it was it was this uh the the vocabulary escapes me I can't think of the word but just fluid the the whole world became this fluid place where we come and we go and we experience and and we change and things change around us and 
oddly, I started to feel, wow, this is kind of blowing me away because it doesn't really make sense logically, but I started to feel within that perspective more grounded than I'd ever felt in my life and more secure and even more supported um, just by making that switch. Um, and it wasn't a conscious switch. And I'm not going to say that I'm there all the time, that I just, you know, my whole life is, you know, where I see life from that perspective all the time. I don't. Um, but um, something huge changed where the world just isn't what it was before these deaths, before this loss. And I've, I've certainly experienced great losses prior to these losses. Mm -hmm. I'm no stranger to loss, but, um, yeah. Um, going back to your question about the difference between the loss of my father and the loss of my pets, there was just, um, Even though, are you there still? Can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um, <laughs> you haven't lost me. <laughs> yeah, I... You know, I, I don't... I don't... Well... I don't think this really answers your question, but what comes to mind is that the pets, the pets were accessible and the love was open and, you know, we were in each other's faces and, you know, um, I, I, I know intimate isn't the right word, but I was very close with my animals, you know? And in spite of the fact that their time in my life was temporary and, and certainly, of course, it was a completely different type of relationship than you would have with a human. But with my father, even though he had been around my whole life, um, I think, you know, you mentioned regret on your father's part. I think there was a lot of regret on my part. When I, when I mourned the loss of my father, I mourned the relationship that never was. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that was so, so painful and still is. And with the pets, I was mourning the loss of a beautiful relationship that you know probably was as good as it could be you know so I, I would say that's the difference Ooh. yeah I'm just bawling my eyes out over here wow. <laughs> um you know I think that you've really hit the nail on the head that's exactly my experience with the loss of my father first I was kind of you know really angry at him for dying <laughs> with 
regret and for dying, period. And then the thing that has taken a lot more time to unravel is the grief around... (laughs) That's so funny. I was going to say all the perceived missed opportunity for connection. Yeah. Yeah. Relationship that we didn't get to have that, that I feel like, Oh, had I participated more, had I listened more, had I shown up more, there's so much that would have been available to us. Yeah. I can completely relate to that. And how, how, so what do you do with that now? What have you done with that feeling since then? You said it was four years ago. Yeah, well, I've sat a lot in that feeling. You know, I've let myself feel regret. I've let myself be really mad at myself, (laughs) you know? And I did that for a while. And then I would say about this time last year, so around the anniversary of his death last year, I switched from feeling kind of like a victim of circumstance into feeling like it was time to accept things for the way that they had been and to make a choice about how I was going to move forward. And so I've spent a lot of time... I've spent a lot of time this year opening myself up to the idea of having a deeper relationship with my father, even though he's not physically here. So I have finally started reading Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell was my dad's, like, (laughs) hero. Mm. So I've been reading Joseph Campbell and... My dad wrote a book, which I still actually haven't read the whole thing. I've picked it up and started it multiple times. And, you know, it's interesting because it's like I have this intimacy. (laughs) I think earlier when you were talking about the pets, you used the word intimacy. And you were like, I know it's not the right word. I personally think it's the most perfect word because now I feel such more of an intimacy and a tenderness around you know, the hole, the hole in my heart that is my dad (laughs) than I did. It used to just be like anger and regret. And now there's like this tenderness and this intimacy where I can read something and I can understand it and I can be like, oh God, I would have loved to talk about this with my dad. And he would have been so thrilled that I was interested in talking about mythology or archetypes, you know, it's like my dad was all about the sacred spiritual journey and I couldn't meet him in the way I wasn't an adult, you know, but now I'm like, Oh, I'm an adult and I wish I could have an adult relationship with him. And even though I don't get to do that in my physical reality, there is a component of me that feels closer to him the more I learn about myself and the more I learn about spirituality and the more I engage with teachers that were important to him. Mm, I like that. That inspires me to, yeah. 
to look for ways to do the thing, the same. Um, what came to mind when you were sharing that too, was it seems like, you know, often in, in situations like these where, you know, a person wishes things had been different with someone that it really, there's really an opportunity there to, to make a point of going deeper, establishing deeper connections, you know, with, with other people in your life going forward. Um, and then, you know, even though the, the hole and the loss is, 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 is there, I guess it, it ultimately becomes a gift. Yeah. Um, I know one thing that's interesting that's happened for me over the past year since my dad died, there were some people that came to his funeral that I hadn't seen that since my childhood that I was close to at one time, very close to, and we've reconnected in a way that's just so beautiful. I'm so grateful for, and I feel this new level of support in my life now that, you know, it's almost like, uh, I don't know. It's just, a beautiful opening I think that if we let it grief can always be something that creates space for deeper intimacy in our lives with ourselves and others you know grief we can let it harden us and shut us down or we can choose to engage with it and let it open us up you know I really resonate with what you said around it allowing for deeper intimacy and relationships now after the loss. And I think about, you know, how much I appreciate watching my boyfriend, Matt with his father and how much I love his father and what a deep appreciation I have for his father's presence in our life, in our lives, precisely because of the loss of my own father. Right. Right. I mean, and, you know, for that instance, I think what you and I are really talking about and haven't necessarily named directly yet is that it felt to me like when you were talking about that shift in worldview later or that you had around the time of your father's death, that it's kind of about learning to embrace the idea of death instead of push it away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's like deepening into that truth that absolutely every single thing in our lives is ephemeral and absolutely every single thing in our lives will be lost because either that thing will die or wither or we will die, (laughs) you know? And yeah, that, I, that yeah. is just like breeds so much more appreciation for the things that you have when you can deepen into that worldview. It does. Um, and I think that uh, absolutely. And it's also, I know for me, because I'm 
so, so aware on a different level of what you just stated of that. I have to be careful not to be afraid of it. Mm. Um, I have two, I have two young daughters Mm -hmm. and you know, it's really hard to imagine life without them. And, you know, you, you just never know. And, yeah. you know, with society becoming a bit more uh, unsafe. Um, yeah. Can we, you know? can you name the thing? Can we talk about the thing that just happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not very good with days because um, I, uh, time's I not real. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So <laughs> recently, um, uh, my my daughter's school was on a, a lockdown um, because someone had um, threatened um, a shooting that was supposed to be on the level of the I think it was called Parkland in Florida. Um, they were going to repeat that, um, but at a local school here. And, you know, to be honest, um, I've been in, in many lockdowns over the years, um, myself as a teacher, um, and, you know, many of my friends' kids have been on lockdowns across the country recently. So it's not like it was this, you know, really rare thing, unfortunately, but... Which is crazy that right, it's not right. a rarity. No, right. Not at all. Um... But there was this part of me that um, was terrified, you know? Of course. Of course, right? What? Oh, my gosh, you know, what if it's my kid? What if, what if, what if I don't ever see them again? Ah, you know, and, um, and then I take myself back to that place. There was just this place where I, after my father died, where I realized in addition to, you know, this idea of being a, a soul, having a human experience, there was also a really strong sense of peace around it, that it's all okay. Mm-hmm. And I just have to draw myself back there and remember that ultimately we don't really have control and... um and that's okay. Yeah. Oof. Well, it's not, but it is, you know? I mean, gosh, yeah. is it? Um, yeah, I know. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about, like, oh, you know, people, anyone who's lost a child, especially to gun violence, could choose to be so triggered by, by you saying, like, everything's okay. And at the same time, it is this paradox of, like, we lose everyone we love. So we're going to feel the pain of that loss at some point, regardless of when or where or how it happens. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, one end of this beautiful duality of experience. And the other end is, like, I can't imagine a more painful... I can't imagine a more painful thing to go through than losing a child, honestly. I'm, I mean, I've not experienced that. I did watch <clears throat> my dad go through that when one of my older sisters passed away. You know, 
And he was already in a tender state, and I thought that that loss might kill him. Right. You know, so it's like there's this there's a spiritually grounded knowing that ultimately it's all perfect and ultimately it's all okay. And then there is this glorious human experience in which when we lose someone we love, we feel pain that's beyond belief. Yes. I, I know, unfortunately, I know a few, I have a few friends who have lost their children and with all of them, you know, it's just a real struggle to that balance between trusting life and just feeling like it just doesn't, none of nothing makes sense and it's not fair. And, you know, what the hell, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I often think when I get into a place in my life where I'm like really frustrated or upset and I am having that feeling of like, nothing makes sense. And it's not fair that I am like a three-year-old and that God or source or the universe or whatever you want to call it is the parent who's kind of like, okay, I know you don't understand anything that's happening to you right now. Right, 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 <laughs> and right. And I assure you that it will be okay that you will move through this or that you won't, you know, <laughs> and that either way, ultimately, oh, I mean, you and I are talking about some deep stuff here. What we're, what we're edging at, you know, is what you said earlier around, like, I know we all have our separate experiences. And at the same time, I know that we're all part of this collective and, you know, science has shown that on the quantum level, there really is no separation between anything, but it's all part of the same energy field, right? Yeah, and that goes def definitely would hold true for the animals then as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the and it's just and like else. these same archetypal journeys and experiences playing out over and over in all their different expressions, you know? Each person's experience is a different expression of this experience that we all have, which if you had to put it into one word is the experience of ephemerality. It's mm. a beautiful way to put it. Mm. Wow. The next thing that popped into my mind was I'm so glad it's springtime almost. <laughs> I'm so glad that winter is ephemeral and it's going to be over <laughs> soon. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Me too. It's cold where I am. It's probably not nearly as cold where you are. I mean, it's warmer. I don't know. Here, I haven't but... been outside today. Oh, that's not true. I went for a walk this morning. <sighs> well, Marcia, what what is most present for you right now around anything that we've activated in this conversation i'm wondering i'm wondering how your heart is in this moment hmm. well i would say i i definitely have found an element of peace that's for sure um Prior to our call, 
um, I did connect with the energy of the losses that I experienced last year and, you know, started bawling my eyes out and it kind of surprised me. Um, I don't know logically why it would surprise me, but it was more like, wow, that's really in there strong still. You know, I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, but I don't, I don't know. There's a certain beauty in it all. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't even, I don't, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what I'm being called to ask is if you wouldn't mind, could you please share with us a favorite memory that you have about each of the animals that you lost? Just like one little <laughs> snippet. <laughs> For each of them, for what Jack Jack Ryan, Jack Henry, Jack, Jack Henry and Ranger. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, I think um, what's coming to mind with Jack Henry is that part of her personality was that she was very persistent, and I really didn't want to kind of claim her as my own when she came into my life. And we like practically like we're arguing, you know, because she was meowing to get in the house and scratching on the door and she just wouldn't leave me alone. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, I'm not, I'm sorry, but I just not now. No, you got to stay out there. And then she was, and she, you know, we just kind of got into this fight over it. And then (laughs) eventually she won me over and I let her in and that was kind of the end of it. But Mm. I just remember how persistent she was. She wasn't. She wasn't going to, she wasn't going to let me say no. Um, and uh, with Ranger, what's popping into my head is a time when he escaped from the backyard and um, we got a call that he was in doggy jail. And oh, no. we, <laughs> we had to go get him. And, you know, Aww. it's just nothing, you know. Um, it's every parent's nightmare having yeah. to pick up their... <laughs> their pet from jail I remember one time I one time I spent the night overnight in a in a jail cell jail cell for underage drinking and I you know you get your one phone call and I I called my mom and I was in North Carolina at Duke and she was in New Mexico and I mean if you haven't been through this experience I don't know if you know but when you get to make a call it's a collect call so it's like two in the morning and (laughs) It's like you say your name to tell them who's calling, but you can hear it on the other line. And it's like, Tamara, Curtis, will you accept a call from Tyla Fowler calling from? And then a recorded voice says, like, Durham County Penitentiary. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, she's like, hello. And I'm like, hi, mom. (laughs) That is so funny funny that that's the the memory that. That he was in doggy jail because I I hope it wasn't as traumatizing for you as it was when I was yeah in jail. no I <laughs> think what what I'm reminded of is though the memories that came forward was when I was kind of irritated with both of them not really but you know it's kind of you know it's just you know it's part of the relationship you know I mean I love them both dearly but yeah those memories when when they were you know not being their best selves necessarily are are actually cherished memories so thank you for asking. Which is- Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for saying that because I think that that is, you know, if there's one takeaway 
for me around my experiences with grief and loss, it's that like, (laughs) every single minute of our life experience with the people and animals that we love is precious. And we take so much of it for granted when we just like happen to be in a bad mood or when they're not (laughs) behaving the way we would like them to behave. (laughs) But like in, in actuality, those are the most precious times usually. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I love that. All right. Well, Marsha, I'm going to invite you to put your hands back on your heart now and close your eyes again and take a couple of deep breaths and really come to a space where you're grounded in this present moment right now, feeling all of the gorgeous energy that we have just activated that I'm, I'm not sure either of us knew we were getting into. And when you've really landed in the present, I would love if you would share in one word how you're feeling. Hmm. Loved. Mm. That's pretty nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, well, I most definitely love you, so I'm glad you're feeling that. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> All right. And my final question is if you could go back to a year ago today, maybe at the end of that weekend that was so full of loss. And if you could speak directly to yourself from this moment, what would you say? You've got this. You're stronger than you know. And a great, big, beautiful world still awaits you. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this time. Mm, My pleasure. And thank you to everybody who has joined in and listened to this conversation. It's, it's a gift to have you here with us in this really tender and sacred energy. And we will put all of Marsha's information that she wants shared in the show notes so that you can find her and follow up with her. She's an amazing writer and mother. And if you resonate with her, you may want to figure out how to tune into her life. <laughs> I don't know how open to that you are, Marsha. But <laughs> um, if you want to find Marsha, we will give you all the all the pertinent information in the show notes, so you can look for that. Um, Marsha, do you want to say bye to everybody who's listening? Yeah, and I and just on that note, you know, if I, sh- I would love to connect with anyone who resonates with the topics that we've talked about today, absolutely. Um, and um, just just as Tyler said, thank you, thank you for being here. Mm. Ah. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, Marsha. Thank you for being here, everybody who's listening. Uh, thank myself for being here. <laughs> All right. And I guess that's it. Until next time, everybody. Have a beautiful rest of your day. <laughs> Bye. Bye.